0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Mark. Today is episode 932, and we're looking at Mark chapter 3, verses 7 to 12. Let's read the passage. Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea, and a large crowd followed from Galilee, and a large crowd followed from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. A large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, so that the crowd wouldn't crush him. Since he had healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God, and he would strongly warn them not to make him known. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark is presenting this gospel to tell us about the ministry of Jesus, not as a biography or a history, but so that we would come to faith in Jesus as Savior. He began Jesus' ministry as John the Baptist was arrested, and we saw Jesus traveling around teaching and healing. He was preaching the good news of God. Then we started to see some opposition. Mark gave five examples of opposition, began with, Healing of the paralyzed man that was lowered down through the hole in the roof. And Jesus pronounced his sins forgiven. And the scribes took offense, saying only God can forgive sins. Then he was eating with sinners and tax collectors when he called Levi to follow him. And there, scribes who were Pharisees took issue of the fact that Jesus was hanging out with the wrong kind of people. Then there was a question about fasting. That actual question came from followers of John the Baptist, because the followers of John the Baptist and the Pharisees both fasted regularly, where Jesus' followers were not fasting regularly, and so they were asking, why? What's wrong with this? Shouldn't you be acting more religious than the average person? Then they were picking grain by hand, walking through a grain field on their way to the synagogue on the Sabbath, and were criticized for working on the Sabbath. Then we had the healing of the man with the shriveled hand. That happened in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And there the Pharisees took note of this. And because he was breaking the rules by saying, stretch out your hand, and thereby working on the Sabbath, they now started a plot to kill him. So we're now continuing with Jesus's ministry, but we're past this initial group of opposition. We we'll pick it up in chapter 3 verse 7 Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea and a large crowd followed from Galilee and a large crowd followed from Judea so it says Jesus departed some translations say Jesus withdrew because the verb is translated departed has more of a sense of departed from something almost fled and so he's departing some Question: Okay, is he departing from the persecution, the opposition he's facing, or is he trying to get away from the crowd? We often see Jesus trying to get away from the crowd, withdrawing from a large crowd, trying to go to a deserted area. And here, the large crowd follows him. Mark tells us the large crowd followed from Galilee, and a large crowd followed from Judea. He continues in verse eight: Jerusalem, a city in Judea, Idumea. That's Greek for Edom, which is the area south of Judea or beyond the Jordan. This would be the region of Perea ruled by Philip the Tetrarch. And he actually visits there in chapter 5 and around Tyre and Sidon. These are two cities in Phoenicia on the coast northwest of Galilee in modern-day Lebanon. He actually visits there in chapter 7. Now, Edomia, jordan tyre and sidon those are non-jewish areas so mark's pointing out here that you've got jewish people from galilee and judea following jesus now and a lot of people from non-jewish areas following jesus now when i say following jesus gotta be careful here the words we use they're not becoming followers of jesus they're part of the mob chasing after jesus looking for healing. He explains there at the end of verse 8, the large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. So, you can see, basically, a large crowd of many kinds of people from many places. And they're coming because they hear what he's doing. Teaching? Probably not so much. Healing, casting out demons, that's what they're hearing about. And, First century, there wasn't a whole lot you could do about a lot of diseases, a lot of problems, demon possession. So you hear about a miracle man who's healing people of things that have never been healed before, casting out demons so successfully, and you'd be desperate. So that's why people are flocking. There's a lot of sick people, a lot of people who are under demon oppression, and they hear that Jesus is there and he can help, and they flock to him. Verse nine. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so that the crowd wouldn't crush him. So you just get a sense of the mob scene. People are crowded around him, and more people are flocking in, and people need to get to him. He's one man, so how many people can gather around him? And you've got we don't know how many, but a mob scene, and he is going to be crushed. And he wants to get away from this. And so the solution is, get a boat ready, I'll jump in the boat, and we can scoot across the lake. Verse 10, since he had healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. You hear the the desperation of the crowd. This is, for many of them, their only hope. They are in dire circumstances. They've led lives of great trouble, and difficulty and this is the chance to end all that so they're desperate they want to touch him because they're there for the healing step back say well then why is he doing the healing if it's becoming so problematic well first off i'd say just compassion says he did heal many he healed a lot of people and so there's a compassion you can heal people people need healing jesus healed people but remember, that wasn't his mission. His mission wasn't to heal. His mission was to proclaim the good news of God. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven is drawn near. Therefore, repent and believe the good news. That's his mission, to preach the good news. The healing is to authenticate the message. But people lose sight of the message because they want the healing. Verse 11 whenever unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. We saw this earlier with the demon saying who he was. The demons seem to recognize who he is. Now, do they have a clue what his mission is? Well, the one demon said, Are you here to destroy us? But they don't know his mission. They don't know why he's there. But they do know who he is. They do know his authority and his power. And and many of them are saying exactly who he is. He is the Holy One of God. He is the Son of God. And Jesus, in verse 12, he strongly warned them not to make him known. And this has the whole sense of keeping the idea that he is the Son of God, he is the Messiah, somewhat subdued. Because you see the mob scene already. He's just the miracle man, the wonder worker, the healer. on top of that, he is the Messiah, he is the hope of our national pride, then you've just vastly multiplied the mob scene, and there's no way he's going to get anything done that he needs to get done, because people are so caught up in what they want, and what they expect. There's some speculation that this idea that the demons are saying who he is is an attempt to control him, because there is a a belief that if you name a spiritual being, you gain control over that spiritual being, and that these demons are trying to do that to gain control of Jesus by naming who he is. I don't know if I buy into that, but it's still a, a popular belief even today. Many people who claim to be able to cast out demons teach that you must be able to name the demon in order to cast it out. So it's still a, a popular concept. Uh, I don't buy into it necessarily in this case, and I certainly don't buy into it today in today's terms of that's what's necessary. But in uh, several commentaries, you will read that idea that they're trying to gain control over him. I think they're just overwhelmed by who he is, just as much as anybody who finds out who he is is overwhelmed. But Jesus needs to keep his identity as the Son of God under wraps right now because that will definitely derail any ministry he's got because they're going to elect him king immediately and have an expectation that he's there to fix all their political problems, all their economic problems, and restore Israel to its glory versus he's there to take the sins of the world on himself and die a sinner's death. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Mark.